Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Excited to share this message. And what this message really is, it's, it's a description of how to hear from God. So I believe that in this space that we're going to learn how to hear from God. Um, now, the reason it's important to learn how to hear from, the, hear from God is because I actually believe in a God that has power, yeah. not just a dead relic, um, which may have great words, but no influence in my life. So I believe in a God of power. Now, if I can't hear God, I can never tap into God's power. So the first step to step into the power that God has for you or the power that God can move in your life is you have to be able to hear from him. Um, So this is a prerequisite. And and how many of you know that that the city of Vernon or any city that we are in this region don't need just another relic in church? They need to encounter the power of God because the power of God will move people. The power of God will transform people. The power of God will change our lives, but relics don't change our lives. So we need to be a church that isn't just able to hear from God, but is able to move in the power that God has for us. This is important. Now, when I say we as a church, I don't mean me up here, but I also mean me up here. I don't mean that just Alex needs to be powerful, because we know Alex is powerful. We, we don't just mean Curtis on the drums who can make the noise if he wants to make the noise, but we mean you sitting in your seat need to encounter the power of God. Amen. And I know right now you're telling yourself, well, that's for the person beside me. No, it's for the person in your seat. Yeah. You need to encounter the power of God so you can move in the power that God has for you. God wants to speak to you. Stop buying into the lie that he doesn't. Yeah. It's, not for, it's not a religion for everyone else. It's not a relationship for everyone else. It's a relationship for everyone. Yeah. I thought it was good, too. So this, this message uh, has sort of been developed, as many things are, they're developed over time. Do you, do you realize that the things that are, are, are deep in your soul as convictions don't just happen in a moment? They happen over a, a lengthy time. You know, I was saying to Alex this morning, how do you develop patience? By having environments that require you to be patient. How many of you want patience? Yes. How many of you want environments that make you patience? No. <laughs> but that's how you develop patience and endurance. And about uh, October 2021, we're coming into October, so this is about two years ago, uh, my wife and I took some time away and we prayed about what we saw the future uh, in the church to be. And we walked away. We separately went. This is a great way to find, um, find if you're hearing from God. I went for a day. She went for a day. We came back with the same thing. That's great. You know, God is not split personality. So if he says something to Alex and he says something opposite to me, one of us is wrong. Right. <laughs> it seems simple, but it's just true. Um, anyways, we went away and we, we got this revelation of, of what, we, uh, what we felt like we were supposed to invest into the church. And shortly after that, uh, many of you may know, I by vocationally, so in two occupations, have for years worked in the audio industry, so doing large-scale production. And shortly after this decision in our hearts that this was what God asked us to do, I got so much work in the industry outside of church. So much so that in October 20, or sorry, in the year 2022, I was away over 100 nights from home. And my wife loved it. I was away 100 nights, and, and it was 
For me, it was my Jonah story, although I didn't realize it at the time. It was God said, do this, and I took advantage of the thing that was over here. Because when God gives you a word, it tests the word. He says something to you, and immediately there's an opportunity not to do it. He says to serve in church, and immediately you get a job opportunity on Sunday. He says to give your tithe which is required and requested of the Lord, and then immediately you get a deal on something that looks great, but if I gave my tithe, I couldn't get that. Immediately there's a testing to the word God gives you. So I had a testing and I didn't do it. (laughs) You've never been there. And in April 2022, my wife and I, we were away and we we talked about it and realized that this has happened and, and we had to make an adjustment. And, uh, and the reality is, you know, when you're adjusted by God, and this is part of Jonah's story, he couldn't just turn around and go back. There was a different trajectory to get there. When you go back to the word that God gave you, there's a different trajectory to there. God is faithful to get you there, but it doesn't look the same way as it did before. So we decided that I would take a year off of audio, which is coming to a close at the end of this month. So we started that in October of last year because I had contracts in all that time. And in October 2022, last year, as I started that time off, um, I started to see God move in, in, in interesting and powerful ways. And I would say that over the last 11 months, I've been able to hear God in a greater way than I have for most of my life. Uh, he has spoken things, we've followed through on it, and it's funny, like when God speaks and you move on it, you see his power. Because it's not just God speaking to you that then demonstrates his power, that's part of it. But if I do nothing with the word he gave me, I don't see his power outworked. Right? If God speaks to you and says, hey, why don't you pray for that person to see if they could get healed? If you say no, which is what I naturally do, and all of you don't, when you go and don't pray, you don't see if God will move in healing. If you do pray, you get the opportunity to see God's power move. Um, and this is, uh, this is really where this has developed into me. So learning to hear God's voice and getting to experience his power. This is an important thing. So I want to start at this verse, John 10, verses 4 to 5 in the Amplified Version. It should be on the Sky Bible. Everyone uh, thank the media team for the Sky Bible. When he, was, when he has brought his own sheep outside, he walks on before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never, on any account, follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers or recognize their call. My title for my message, if you're taking notes at the top of your page, is Lessons from a Little Boy. Lessons from a Little Boy. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that you are here. Thank you that you can speak. Help us to hear you. Speak for ourselves. Speak for those who need us to hear God for them in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a story in the Bible in 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 to 10, and I'd like to read it to you. Again, it is likely on the Sky Bible behind me. Oh, and it's on the screen right there. My goodness. That, man, that media time, my goodness, they are amazing. Now the boy Samuel was attending to the service of the Lord under the supervision of Eli. The word of the Lord was rare and precious in those days. Visions, that is, new revelations of divine truth, were not widespread. So here we are, Samuel is a priest, which means uh, he, he lives in the temple, he serves the Lord, 
And at this time, Eli, who had been uh, dropped off as a firstborn, there's a, a long story about this, but he's, oh, sorry, See, I'm mixing the names up, thank you. Samuel is dropped off, Eli was the priest, thank you. Um, so Samuel's been dropped off, and he's being raised in the temple. And it says that the word of the Lord was rare. And how many of you know, you know, you've ever, you've ever picked up the phone, it's a friend from 15 years ago, and you don't quite recognize their voice, it's rare. Uh, so this is the reality of it, you know, versus uh, I don't need caller ID to know who calls me sometimes. You pick up the phone, you hear, you're like, oh, hello, Kimberly, or hello, Jez. Funny, you have an accent, that gave it away, uh, you know, whatever it is. But this is a moment where it was rare, it was un, un, uncommon to hear God. Yet it happened at the time as Eli was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went up to Eli and said, or sorry, lie down again. I should follow yours because it's going to be way clearer than mine. So the Lord called Samuel and Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am. You did call me. Eli answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. This is the second time. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him. I don't even know if you've got kids. Like, second, second time they've come and said, oh, I need water. Your lie down is getting firmer, stronger, clearer. No, you don't need water. Go back to bed. And the Lord called Samuel the third time. And he went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived, unlike many of us parents at this moment, Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This story, I, I love the reality of the story. Um, Samuel is a young boy, and I don't know how much you know about the Bible or how much you know about Scripture, but Samuel is a pretty important character in the Bible. In fact, we're reading this, um, this passage out of 1 Samuel chapter 3. He's got two books named after him. One is the life of Saul, and the other is the life of after Saul. And Samuel was, uh, became a prophet and a priest. And, and there's some interesting things about Samuel. Samuel did not come from the lineage that he was supposed to come from. Eli was a priest, and what happened is the priests were handed down to the generations below, but Samuel was not from the lineage of the priesthood. And, and Samuel, as I said, he'd been dropped off. He was a promise given to his mother, Hannah, and he, he's dropped off there. He's learning how to be there. But Samuel becomes this really important feature in the Bible. Samuel is, in fact, the person who anoints and, and proclaims that Saul will be king. Saul is the very first king of Israel. He changes the governmental structure of a nation by telling them that Saul will be king. Before that, they had no king. They just had priests and judges that ruled the, the, the nation. And Samuel's also the person who goes and he anoints David to be king. And you've heard of David, King David. He's a famous character in the Bible. But could you imagine uh, a David? So in this moment when Samuel is anointing David, Samuel goes and, and first he hears from God. God says, um, go and anoint David or go and, go and anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king. 
And he says, well, Saul's still king. If Saul finds out, I'm going to die. But Samuel's so confident in what God says that when God says, well, go say you're going to, uh, you're going to sacrifice a, a, a cow, and then you can go. So great, he goes. He's so confident in God's voice, his ability to hear God's voice, that he goes on something that otherwise would be a death mission. He gets to the space. He gets to Jesse's house. They all go and consecrate themselves, which means they get clean and ready for the sacrifice. Because when you sacrifice to the Lord, you have to be holy and prepared for it. So they, sacri- they get consecrated, and, and they bring all the sons forward, and, and Samuel sees the first boy, the strong, the one that is obviously the leader. And it says Samuel thought to himself, this man must be God's anointed one. But then God speaks to Samuel and says, I do not look at what man looks at. I look at the heart. Samuel was so, under, so able to understand the voice of God that he could discern the difference between what Samuel thought and what God said. How many of you find that to be a challenging thing from time to time? But Samuel could tell the difference. All the sons are brought forward. He goes through all of them. He gets to the end. There's no more sons left. And he's so confident in what God says that, when God, that, that there must still be another son. He's like, is there another son? The son they didn't bring to get clean. The son they didn't invite to the party. Samuel knows he exists. This is how well he could hear God's voice. But in this passage, 1 Samuel chapter 3, he'd never heard God's voice. Could you imagine if the story ended there? At 1 Samuel 3, Samuel hears, Samuel, Samuel goes to Eli. Eli says, I didn't call you. He hears it again, so he goes to sleep. That's probably how most of us would operate. If I hear my son calling, I get out of bed, I go, it's like, I didn't call you. The next time I hear it, I'm going to sleep. I'm ignoring it. Imagine if Samuel's story ended right there. We had Samuel 2. Not another chapter, not another page. Imagine if your story ends at Samuel 2, Samuel 3 where we don't get the space to hear what God wants to do, and God would change a nation in the voice that he spoke to Samuel. I want to encourage you that there's more pages and chapters to your book if we can learn to hear from God. But don't worry if you don't feel like you can hear from God right now, because neither could Samuel. Sometimes we look at people who are spiritual and think they've always been spiritual. No, they've always been human. Anyone who can hear God well has learned and put in time and energy. In this moment, he doesn't understand yet the voice of God, and I think there's some principles that we can take out of this story, some lessons, as I said, from a little boy. Um, and one of the things that I think is, is fascinating about this is that, um, that Samuel required someone else to tell him it was the voice of God. He didn't know. God was speaking. He said, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel thought it was Eli. He did not know it was the voice of God. Could it be in your world that God is actually speaking? That it's not that you're being left out and he's not speaking to you. But actually you need a guide to tell you that, hey, that impression that you're getting right there, that feeling that you're getting right there, those words that are coming to mind, hey, when you hear them, respond, yes, Lord, I'm listening. Could it be that God is speaking to you, you've just yet to identify his voice? You know the story of Elijah, he's he's done amazing things for God. And then 
Jezebel is going to kill him. So he runs and he hides and he's in a cave. And in this cave, it says that thunder comes, that storms come, that all of these things come. And he goes to check if it's the voice of God. And then it says a still small voice comes. And that's what he recognizes as the voice of God. Now, I think we can sometimes extrapolate that God is a still, small voice, and I think sometimes that's true, but sometimes God hits me across the head like a hammer. Sometimes he's a small voice, and sometimes he's a hammer. And it's more about recognizing that God comes in different ways, and if you learn to know his voice, you will depict and understand him irrelevant of how he speaks to you. Sometimes God's going to speak to me through my wife. Sometimes God's going to speak to me through one of you. In the same way, sometimes God's going to speak to you individually, and sometimes it's going to be the voice of a pastor, a voice of someone else speaking into you and saying, hey, this is what God's speaking yeah. in this environment. Yeah. So Samuel has to learn to recognize the voice of God by the confirmation of another. I... Um, I think sometimes we discredit things we hear as not the voice of God because they don't sound the way we want them to. <laughs> I've found the word of God in my life requires sacrifice yeah. from my life. And usually when I hear the word of God and it's requiring something from me, I'm wondering if there's someone else I can speak to. If the word of God comes to you and it's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable, or maybe it looks like work, stop discounting that it's not from him. Did you know that in Genesis, Adam and Eve are created and they're given a job before they sin? I know sometimes you think that your job is a, sacri- or your job is a punishment for your sin. No, no, no. God gave you work before sin ever entered the earth. We were given a purpose and a plan. We were given a job and a responsibility. And when God speaks to you, it probably sounds like work. Because he's asking us to do something. Because if I don't do anything with the word of God, I don't see the power of God move. You know, how many people, all of us probably, have really great advice in our head that someone's told us? But if I don't do anything with it, it doesn't do anything in me. Someone can tell you how to eat healthy, but if you don't do anything with it, it doesn't do anything in you. Someone can tell you how to plan your life and reduce your stress, but if you don't do anything with it, it doesn't do anything in with you. Someone can tell you the principles of a healthy relationship with your children or a healthy relationship with your parents or a healthy relationship with your spouse, but if you don't do anything with it, that's usually the problem with unhealthy things is no one, one party won't do anything with the advice and input that they've been given. When God speaks to you, he's asking you to do something. Yes, he's telling you you're loved. And yes, he's, he's telling you your value. And all of those things will be launching points for the things he'd ask you to do. God's perfect will for your life is on the other side of your willingness, willing sorry, willing obedience to the voice of God in your life. I pray this uh, most mornings. It's the Lord's Prayer. It says, give us this day our daily, or sorry, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's a prayer that I'm asking God for his will on earth just like it is in heaven. Right? It's this principle that in heaven everything acts and exists as God intends it to. But on earth, it doesn't. On earth, there is us. On earth, there are others. And God's will is not accomplished on the earth, not his perfect will. His permissible will, the things he's allowing, but not his perfect will. And I get in touch with his perfect will when I listen to the word he's speaking to me. And the word he's speaking to me helps me engage with his perfect will for my life. God has a perfect will for your life. And he has a redeemable will for your life. That's the Jonah story. God had a perfect will for Jonah's life. Jonah chose elsewhere. And God still had a redeemable will for him. So even if you miss it up, even if you mess it up, mix it up, God's perfect will and redeemable will are still available to you. But it comes through the obedience to the word that he speaks to you. When he says to do something and you move, you step into the perfect will for you. Uh, the unction. <laughs> have, have you ever heard the word unction? Am I, is, that, is that a foreign word? Just two pastor's kids are the only people who put their hands up. <laughs> The unction. I, I don't know a better word for it. Sometimes it, I, I do my best to remove as many Christian words that make no sense outside of Christianity as I can. But is it not? Okay, well, unction. Uh, I, I guess I would say unction. Um, this is not a dictionary definition because I didn't imagine so much pushback from you all. <laughs> Um, but when I say unction, what I'm meaning is like that impression in that moment where you feel like something. Here's, here's what happened to me, for instance. Um, actually, it happened this morning, too, but uh, that's a story yet to be told, I'm sure. Um, a number of months ago, I was in a cafe, and, and I was sitting with a, a gal who I, uh, who I do a lot of audio work for, or had done a lot of audio work, and she was telling me, I guess this is only a year ago now, she was telling me about her sister who was dying of cancer in Ontario. And I was sitting there, and I got this unction, this feeling, this idea. You should pray for her sister. I said, God, no. <laughs> Kept talking. And he's like, you should pray for her sister. Her sister. I'm like, God, I can't heal anyone. He's like, I didn't ask you to. That's often the thing that keeps us from doing the thing God asks us to do, is we think he's asking something that we're not ask he's not asking us to do. God never asked me to heal her sister. He asked me to pray. Well, I can do that. It was very uncomfortable, and I did it. That's not usually the ending to these stories, just so you know. I said, can I pray for your sister? The girl's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. She's like, so how do we do that? I'm like, well, can I put my hand on you? She's like, sure. We're in the middle of a busy cafe. I'm like sweating. She's very comfortable. I'm very uncomfortable. Isn't that funny how it is, right? Like the person you're praying for is very okay with it, and you as a Christian who should be okay with it is terrified about the prayer you're about to give. It's hey, just real. Praying for her. It was all good. Sometimes it's just about that unction. This morning I got an unction, if you will. I was praying in this space, and uh, we need to do some renos, so if, you, if you're not aware of that, you're aware of it now. And if you're skilled in project management or renos, I hear an unction from the Lord in my spirit. <laughs> Joking about that one. But I was, I was praying through the space, 
and we need some sound dividing. I don't know why I'm telling this, but maybe it's relevant. Sound dividing between the kids' space and this, and we thought about how we we're going to do the walls and things, and, uh, and I realized earlier this week that we need drop ceiling in the kids' room. That's just what we need. So I felt an unction this morning, and I texted someone. I said, hey, do you happen to have a whole bunch of drop ceiling available? Because I didn't tell them I prayed for it because that's spiritual manipulation. Because let God be God and let your words be your words. So I said, hey, do you happen to have this? And they're like, oh, we'll check on Monday. I'll let you know. I'm like, okay. I don't know. Maybe nothing will happen. But if I don't do something, I will never see God's power move. And maybe there is drop ceiling on the other side of this text message. Maybe there isn't. But I'd rather be the person who's obedient and possibly see God move in my life than the person who missed out on everything God had for me because I didn't move and step on something that God told me. Because all it was was a text message. That's usually all God's asking you to do. It looks like work, but it doesn't look like something impossible. Right? I, I, I often think about this story of, of Moses. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but Moses, he's, 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 we, love, we love Moses because he parted the Red Sea. He sent seven plagues on the Egyptians, which we love. You know, we've got these giant uh, grasshoppers in our backyard, and every once in a while I see them and think, is a plague coming? Um, but we love Moses. You know, he parts the Red Sea. He turns his staff into a snake. But Moses did not do any of that. Moses had a staff, and he threw it on the ground and God turned it into a snake. Moses had a staff, and he put it in the ground, and God parted the sea. Every time we attribute these things to characters in the Bible that they didn't do, we miss out on what God's asking us to do. God's asking us to put a stick in the ground, not part the Red Sea. And if we would put the stick in the ground, we'd see the Red Sea part. There are things in your life that are like Red Seas that need to part, and God's asking you to put a stick in the ground, but you think he's asking you to part the Red Sea. God is not asking you to do anything that is outside of your possibility. If you will do the possible that's in your realm, he can then do the impossible. Because God is, is crazy. Like, he wants to use you. He wants to use me. It'd be so much easier if he didn't. God, can you just part the Red Sea? Because we're a pretty prideful, you know, sometimes lazy group of people. Like, you ask us to do something, we're like, well, can I do it on Tuesday, God? Because today's just a little inconvenient. Well, I see the person on the road, they need help. I'm like, God, can I wait till I've got more money in my bank account? He's like, no, give what you got now. But God, it's not that much, and I sort of need, but yeah, if you give it one now, I mean, it's, it's, I wish sometimes that God would just do the things in his power and do all of it for us. But how would you know God's power if you weren't a participator in it? Sometimes, I'll tell you a real honest truth here. Sometimes, I, have, I've not told any truth this morning yet. So sometimes I'm in, I'm in the building because uh, I'll work here. And sometimes I'll pray. And this happened to me a number of years ago too. And I'll pray and I'll be praying for the service on Sunday. And like, God, like, let there be people there. Let, like, let new people come to Christ and all this sort of thing. And it's funny, I'm praying it and I'm asking God to do it and asking him not to ask me to do anything about it. You want the church to grow? I'll give you a simple solution. Invite someone. Pray, yes, and invite someone. I'd really like to pray and not invite someone. But God wants me to see the power that he has if I would move on his behalf. And again, what did I say at the start is, this city actually needs a people who believe in the power of God, willing to move on the word that God gave them so they can see the power of God in their lives. I'm always asked, why is this, you know, I'm always asked, or I'm often asked, 
<laughs> Muffin asks, why start a church in a city with 60 churches in it? Well, because I still see something missing, unfortunately. I don't want that to be true, though. I want to see his church, every church in this city moving in the power of God. Because God wants to see that. God doesn't care if there's 60 churches in this city because he sees so many people who are yet to find relationship with him. If it took 3,000 churches, it'd be enough. However many it took to reach every person in the city, that would be enough. What if the very thing he needs from us is simple obedience? Could you do it? Sometimes, this is the other thing I've found, is sometimes we're wanting a new word from God. But he's asking what we're going to do with the last word he gave us. Sometimes it's not that God's not speaking, it's just that he's sort of like this Samuel and Eli story. Samuel, Samuel. He runs to Eli. I didn't talk, I didn't, I didn't call you. Goes back. Samuel, Samuel. Runs to Eli. I didn't call you. Comes back. Samuel, Samuel. He repeats the exact same thing each time to Samuel until he gets the right response. Maybe it's not that God isn't speaking to you, it's just that he's still saying the same thing that you haven't done anything with. Because he waits on that work. You know, it's like building a house. You have to get the foundation before you build the other pieces. So if, if he gives you a new word, you haven't built the foundation there. God doesn't ask you to go as your very first word from God. He's just more gentle than this. I have not experienced it. Maybe someone else has. Let me clarify. Maybe someone else has experienced God's very first word to you to go pray for a dead person and see them raised. But I don't think that's how he's going to do it. I think he's going to say, hey, you see that person who just walked into church that looks sad? Go smile at them. But God, that's too hard. (laughs) Go say hi and shake their hand. But God, I'm an introvert. He's, he's, he's going to build something in you that is little by little, precept upon precept. If he's given you a word that you haven't moved on, let me encourage you today, whatever that is, to move on it. I know you're afraid. I have been a Christian most of my life. I've had seasons where I have followed God and seasons that I have not followed God, seasons I've been in church and seasons I've not been in church. But even years of seeing God's power move, in fulfillment of homes, fulfillment of buildings, fulfillment of relationships, fulfillment of, uh, of healing, whatever it is, still when God speaks to me, I'm afraid to do what he says. I just don't think it changes. I think you just, like the Israelites, after they got across the sea, they set up a monument to remind themselves of the things God had done before. It's not that it was going to be easy the next time, it's that they were going to have a memory that God could move again. You have a history, if you've seen God move, that says he's moved again. Our testimony helps other people to know there's a history of God moving again. Doesn't get easy. Still stay simple. Just not easy. Simple obedience for God to move in power, in might, in your life. The incre- if you increase the measurement of God's voice in your life, or if you want to increase the measurement of God's voice in your life, you increase your response to God's voice in your life. It's really a principle of stewardship. If you look at someone who can hear God well and, and you see them move in power, they've built it precept upon precept. 
And if you want to get to the depth that God has for you, it just is built precept upon precept. Increase. If you want more of God's word in your life, do more with the word he gives you. He's just really gracious that way. Be quick. I have a, um, at the end of last year, we made a, a personal declarations as a family. And we had it up in our old house. It hasn't made it back up in our new house yet. But on that personal declaration, it, it says for me, this is just mine, that I would be quick to respond to the unction of the Holy Spirit. Because I know, I use unction in my daily life, guys, okay? <laughs> because I don't want to be three weeks from now realizing that God's still saying the same thing to me and he's just waiting for me to move, which happens too often in my life. He said it, and I'm like, God, it's inconvenient, it's uncomfortable. I want to be quick to move on those things. I want to build that muscle in my life. I want you to build that muscle. The word of God is not a word of comfortable living. The word of God is a word of sacrificial living. So let me come to a close in this. Um, if you want to hear the voice of God, here is how you do it. The first, first way is this. You have to have a practice of prayer and worship. Pastor Dave said this um, a number of, uh, maybe about a year and a half ago when we re-entered services uh, after shutdowns, is he said, it was interesting as he's read through the Bible that there's not a lot of dis distinction between prayer and worship in Scripture. We, distinct, we, we sound, make them distinctives in our world, like this is prayer and this is worship. But in the Bible, they're just a conglomerate of the same thing. So you need to have a practice of prayer and worship. Psalms 104 to 5 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. This is how you get into the, give thanks to him and praise his name. So let me... Let me break this down. Uh, I didn't say pray and worship every day for five minutes. I didn't say pray and worship in the morning between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. I didn't say pray and worship uh, Saturdays and Sundays. I said have a regular practice of prayer and worship. Did you know that for Taylor, that regular practice of prayer and worship is not going to look the same as Alex? And if Alex uses Taylor's uh, regular practice as, her as his metric, he's going to miss out on his metric. So you may only be able to pray and worship for a minute a day. You may only be able to do it two minutes on Saturday. I don't care what it is, but make a regular practice of prayer and worship. Yeah. Don't be like most of us usually are, where we leave here fired up for what God's going to speak into our world. We're going to pray and worship for an hour every day. Because you know what's going to happen when I come up here next week? You're going to have done no prayer and worship for the whole week. Because you're going to have tried for an hour, failed, and then you're going to feel like a failure and not try again. This is what I like to tell people. Do the smallest amount possible of prayer and worship every day that you can. The littlest. Because if you do the littlest accomplishable that you can, you will build a muscle that says, I can. Maybe it's a minute. Maybe it's while you brush your teeth, you pray and worship. Maybe it's while you shower. I don't care. The littlest. Because I'd rather next week you say, you know what, I prayed for a minute a day, seven days in a row, and next week you say seven minutes versus the person who says, I'm going to do it for an hour, and the next week has done none. You get what I'm saying? Have a, have a realistic expectation. 
Next one, are you ready? Okay, is anyone else ready? Front row's doing well, but how about back there? Yeah, yeah. Sandy's ready. She smiled at me. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, or in, in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, have a regular practice of prayer and worship. Second, have a practice of reading God's Word. That's the Bible. Um, I'm going to say the exact same things as I said about prayer and worship. Do the smallest amount you possibly can that's attainable. Do a verse a day. Or better yet, smaller, do a verse a week. Right now, write this verse down. In the beginning was the Word, already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Read that to yourself every day this week. And next Sunday, pick up a new verse. Read that to yourself every day this week. I um, have been reading through the Bible every year for four or five years, and my Bible reading now is I read uh, the Old Testament once throughout the year, the New Testament, and the Psalms and Proverbs twice through the year. So I invite people to do that with me at the beginning of the year, and most people drop out because <laughs> it's not attainable. And someone came to me, uh, it was after one of our one-day events, I can't remember what it was, and they said, you know what, I just can't keep at it. I'm like, that's great. Do what you can. My metric is not your metric. So that sounds really great, but I've wanted to do this thing, and I know it sounds absurd. It's called the, the shred, the shred, and it's read the Bible in 30 days. Tried it once a year or two ago, and I failed miserably. I'd like to do it, but it's still outside of my reach. And that's the truth about all of us. So fine, what is the smallest you can and make it a daily practice, a regular practice of reading what you can? Maybe it's a verse for the week. Maybe it's a verse for the day. Maybe it's a chapter for the day. I don't, I don't care what that is. But again, if a week from now you spent some time in your word, you'll be far better than someone who spent no time in the word. If a week from now you spent some time in prayer and worship, you'll be far better than someone who spent no time in prayer and worship. And, and this is the reality of how you hear from God is you have to get into environments where God is. Prayer, worship, the word. And here's the third one. Ready? Ready? Ready. <laughs> Have a practice of being in community and under authority. This is the one you love the most. This is the one that your insides seized up when I said it. Acts 2 verses 1. Uh, says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. His community have a regular practice of being in community and under authority. Remember when I said uh, uh, a moment ago, or a while ago, I guess, I said, if Alex hears a word from God and I hear from a word from God and they're conflicting, then one of us is wrong. That only gets worked out in community. Uh, I love, uh, I, I preached this message in Hamilton, uh, at C3 Hamilton a few weeks ago, and uh, I was, it's actually a message that I developed about two years ago, um, initially, and preached in Revelstoke, and, and it was odd when I was preparing and trying to figure out um, what God was going to say, like what, what God wanted me to speak on, and the day, the day I was preaching this in Hamilton, I open up my Bible reading program. I told you this already. So I read the Old Testament once throughout the year, 365 days throughout the year. I open up on the day I'm supposed to preach there, and the verse on my Bible reading is 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's the only day in 365 days that I'm going to read that. I was like, okay, God, I guess maybe, maybe, God, you're in this. But you need community to, to wrestle things out. 
The Bible says iron sharpens iron. It sounds really wonderful, poetic. Do you know how iron sharpens iron? By ripping pieces off of each other. Oh, but iron sharpens iron, my dear brother. Yeah, by ripping pieces off of you, by ripping pieces off of me. Because you need people to sharpen you by, shred by shredding and shedding things off of your life. That only happens in community. It happens in a community where you're honest, not a community where you're lying. It happens under authority because Scripture, although we live in a society that is democratic by governance, the kingdom of God is only ever referred to as a kingdom. And a kingdom has authorities. And do you know what? Our world is full of people who are bad authority, who've burned you, who've hurt you, who have, have damaged things beyond repair, who have done all of these things. But that doesn't change the fact that the kingdom of God works through authority. You'll have relationships and friendships that have hurt you and burned you and damaged you. That doesn't change the fact that you need friends. You'll have romantic relationships that burn you and damage you and hurt you. Doesn't change the fact that you want partnership in life. Don't let the past pains keep you from the future pleasures. You may have had bad authorities, but God still works through authority. Because sometimes you need someone who can say something to you and you'll believe their word more than you'll believe your own. And it'll shape you to who God's making you. I don't want to be shaped into who God's making me. And then I want to be shaped into God's, who God's making me. Have a practice of being in community and under authority. Include people in your life. Include people in the decisions that you're excluding people in. Have you noticed that? You include people until there's something you don't want to put in? Include people in that. Because, you know, Samuel didn't need a word from God to listen to his leader. When Eli said, that's God speaking, he trusted Eli. He didn't question if Eli knew what he was talking about. He trusted him. And do you know the word that Samuel got? I know I'm just giving you a short scripture, but the word that Samuel got, it was all about the death and destruction of Eli and his family. So after he got the word, he wakes up in the morning. Eli's like, what's the word God gave you? And Samuel's like, uh. He tells him the word. Well, God says that your sons are going to die on the same day that you die in this. And then the priest is going to be handed off to someone else. Eli responds, if that's God's will, let it be done. Because Eli wasn't too insecure as a leader to allow others to hear God for themselves. Authority is not one way, guys. Eli confirmed the voice of God and the word of God to Samuel, even though it wasn't comfortable. Man, I love preaching. But more than that, I, I really hope that you can hear from God. As much as I love preaching, my preaching will not change your life, but God's word in your life will. Uh, I want to give you three keys and then we'll close in prayer. Uh, I know I already gave you three things. These are really quick. Discerning and testing the voice of God. Here's how you know if it is God or not. It has to be consistent with the word of God. God doesn't say something that's outside of his word. So if it's contrary to that, it's not his word. Uh, it has to be consistent with the character of God. Sometimes in scripture, there's things that God doesn't address specifically, but he does display who he is. So if it's not consistent with the character of God, that's not from God. The Bible says that 
uh, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, one of my children the other day, I was before we were flying to Toronto, he said, oh, I'm a little, he was asking him if he hears from God, and he's like, oh, well, maybe I heard from God about this. And I said, what did it feel like? He said, it felt like fear. I said, fear doesn't come from him. You can discern if the word feels like fear, it's not a God word. And it's confirmed through the voice of others. You know, I gave this example of Alex and I. I I'm just not too arrogant to think that I can hear God well enough for myself. Sometimes I hear things and if I want it to be God, I want to hear that someone else heard it too. I like when my wife and I, two years ago, we went away for a day, I prayed, and then she prayed and we heard the same thing. That gave me confidence in that word. Because some of the things God asks me to do are scary and I don't want to be wrong. But I, I don't want to miss it if it's him. If you're unsure about something, community and authority, ask someone to pray into it for you and hear what they have. We need to be a world, we need to be a church that looks different than the world. Include people in the things that others don't. Allow direction and input in your life. Pray and worship regularly. Show up when you don't want to show up. Every one of you in the room I, has had a day you didn't want to show up at church. And I hope you've had a day where you showed up at church where you didn't want to be there and they're like, wow, that was good. That was helpful. Let it be a monument that I'll show up even if I don't feel like it. I'll worship even if I'm not sure about it. I'll praise until I see the reason to praise. I'll thank God until I'm on the other side of this barrier and this mountain on the other side. I will believe that God is for me even if I feel like everything is against me because I want to get to the other side where I see the fulfillment that God has for me. Have a practice of prayer and worship. Have a practice of reading God's word. Have a practice of being in community and under authority. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.